Hi, I'm Dale Sherbeck, and welcome to the HQ, ICHA Learning and Healthcare Can podcast serial, where we dive into healthcare issues and topics from the perspective of its people and discuss them with those that are leading in the health system. Together, we'll try to unpack these topics and learn what actions are being taken to innovatively solve them today. Today's episode centers around a couple of the most well-known maxims in management and how they apply to Canada's health workforce. The first is that you can't manage what you don't measure. The second, perhaps less well-known, is that you measure what you value. Data drives much of what we know of healthcare. After all, data is at the heart of the scientific method and bolsters that other paragon of leadership so embedded within healthcare, that of evidence-based decision-making. However, most of the data and the investment of data in healthcare the past few decades has centered around the epidemiological data and more recently, EMRs and the scaling up and the use of electronic health records. And with the advent of smart technology, our modern hospitals are reaping the benefits of machines and instruments that are sharing tremendous volumes of data back to our servers and clinicians. Truly, data is increasingly driving a vast amount of healthcare delivery and is set to further explode as AI becomes even more prominent in healthcare. But that's a topic for another time. But what about the data related to our healthcare workforce? What is the state of our health human resource information systems? What data are we collecting there? What data are we using? What are we measuring? And what do we truly value? Can we articulate the simplest of things like the demographics of our Canadian health workforce across all roles and all professions? Do we know how many PSWs there are in Canada? Do we have enough? Do we need more? Do we need to train more? Do we know overtime rates or the impact this has on sick time? Does this differ from the organization to organization, from region to region? And again, what is happening in Canada as a whole that would give the federal government confidence that the latest funding announcement is enough? Fundamentally, where is the evidence for the decisions we're making or need to make as we continue to talk about new models of care and transforming systems? I don't know that we'll answer all of these questions today, but I hope we will get to as many of them as possible. But more than that, my goal is to provide our listeners with a picture of the state of the health workforce data today and what, if anything, needs to change. To discuss this, I'm joined by two very well-respected health human resource executives, themselves experts or at least expert users of the data in their health organizations. Firstly, we're joined by Tony Bennett, the Executive Director of HR Analytics and Planning with Alberta Health Services. Tony is a CPHR and has worked in HR for 30 years, covering compensation, labor relations, organization design, HRIS, capital human metrics, strategy policy development, and general human resource operations and administration. Tony's team leads and supports evidence-based people decision-making, planning and action within AHS and its leadership through workforce data management, deeper analytics, workforce planning, and organization design. He strongly believes human resources provides important value-added innovative services to an organization through the development and management of strategy-based services while providing practical value to their clients. I'm also pleased to have back on the HQ Steve Ashton, Vice President, People and Organization Development at IWK Health Centre, which serves women and children and youth in Atlantic Canada. In his role, Steve is responsible for the IWK's human resources and people strategy and services, working through a team that includes HR consulting, employee relations, recruitment, workforce planning, 
learning and development, labor relations, staff scheduling, HRIS, payroll benefits, and volunteer resources. I know from first-hand experience that Steve is a dedicated leader committed to helping others grow and to learn. Whether through teaching, mentoring, or sitting on the boards of the Workers' Compensation Board of Nova Scotia and Nova Scotia's Health Employees Pension Plan, Steve cares a lot about people and making a real difference in this world. Hi, Tony and Steve, and welcome to the HQ. Thank you, Dale. Thanks, Dale. Pleasure to be back. Yeah, great. It's a, thank you both for joining us today for what I believe will be a fascinating conversation. So no pressure. <laughs> um, so Steve, maybe we could start with, you know, the, you know, a more sort of foundational sort of question. So why is HR data so critical in your role as an HR executive? That's a great question. Um, I mean, I think part of it comes to me by design. I mean, I've always been fascinated with being able to look at data and, and help it inform good decision-making. Um, and I would think today, most people understand how critical it is to have good, good information to inform the decisions we are making in healthcare, the health human resources crisis that we're in, not only uh, in Canada, but globally, um, requires us to make some really important decisions on where we're going to invest. And you can't make those decisions, especially in a, in a resource restrained world, um, you have to set priorities to make decisions. So, you know, informing those decisions and being able to measure progress on the very things you're trying to change requires mm -hmm. good data. Um, so for me, if it's uh, whether we're talking about how our recruitment programs are working, our retention programs, our safety and wellness um, uh, initiatives or any of those things, uh, I guess I've always been a real fan of, of understanding the impact of the decisions we make and the investments we make and whether it's getting the outcomes we're looking for. And if not, use that to you know, to correct your strategy and, and try something different. Um, I also you know, grew up in my previous life before I came into healthcare in a balanced scorecard organization. So I think mm -hmm. the culture of being around um, you know, leaders and organizations that have a culture of measurement and a culture of, uh, of setting clear targets and trying to, uh, to achieve those is, is kind of bred in me as well. Thanks, Steve. So Tony, um, maybe you could give us a bit of a sort of a, maybe a history lesson or sort of a, a, a picture in terms of what has been the journey of HR data in your organization and region? Um, you know, what was it like before, you know, pre-pandemic and what is it like now? Yeah, um, well, we've, we actually established, um, uh, I don't know if we called it workforce analytics uh, group. We've, I think we called it something else when AHS was formed um, as, as the provincial health authority. So it's been around in the organization as we've had the organization. Now, obviously it's been evolving. At first it was trying to go through and, and really try and capture, you know, even what is our workforce, really tell the what part of the work of our people's story, like how many and where and and all that sort of thing. Um, as as we came up to COVID, we were becoming much more, uh, much stronger anyways at, at going beyond the what part of the story, but into the why, like why are things happening and, and that. And we started on a path really to build out some of that analytic literacy within HR, frontline HR. Right, because we recognized and 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 um, as as many have mentioned, you know, we in healthcare we like to say, you know, hey, everything should be evidence based decision making, or otherwise. But um, so we saw that in the in the workforce side of things as well. Um, COVID, of course, put um, 
put a halt on a number of um, things that we were doing to build that out, but it also threw a huge catalyst on, on other aspects of it. Um, the organization uh, realized very quickly, I mean, it understood before the value of, um, of workforce information and information in the story of its uh, workforce. Um, COVID really kind of threw the gas on, on that fire. Um, mm -hmm because we had to, like everywhere else, we had to find out, you know, where have we got uh, nurses within the organization and outside of the organization that can come and work in ICU? So where, where do we have people with ICU experience um, still within the organization? How can we reach those that have recently retired? You know, a big one around there or long-term care centers, um, you know, making sure that, uh, that uh, that uh, we've got the staff and the people to kind of go through and do that. So it became very foundational um, information for the uh, for the organization as we went through that. Um, so it, it almost went back a little bit of the journey with COVID. We went back to the basics of the what's, the where's mm -hmm. side of things. And from that then, it built what on what I believed was a much stronger foundation to go back into the workforce story of, well, why are we seeing overtime go up? Why are we seeing sick rates go on? What's the effect those are having on our operations? So it became back into a, and, and actually went even beyond um, uh, deeper into the story of the organization so that the organization could understand what was going on and make some good decisions going forward. Um, I wish I could remember where I had seen it, but um, just recently saw something that really hit home with me, right? Mm -hmm. um, whoever it was had said that data itself has no value. Yeah. It's what you learn from it and what you then in turn do based on that information that has the value to the organization. And I think through COVID, there is a broader understanding that it's not just the data, it's the information and how we can base um, the, the decisions around that. Um, it also moved even within my team, um, a number of tools that we are available to leaders within the organization because through COVID, and it was out of necessity keeping our heads above water, right? Because we were inundated with requests on, on, on uh, data and information on our workforce. Um, the team very quickly uh, had plans for it for, you know, for a while, but very quickly put together uh, a, a, a base dashboard where anybody in the organization can go in now and see, this is how many employees we have. This is our overtime rate. These are our absenteeism rates. So that, um, so that it became less of going and pulling just the numbers out, mm -hmm. but people could pull the numbers out and come back to the team and say, okay, help us understand these and what it means. So, so it made that kind of progression, if you will, on the, um, on the analytics maturity side of things and really put the organization in a better foundation for making good solid decisions or at least better, better, base, uh, better basis for making those decisions. So yeah, so I'm hearing, I guess that on the one hand it is providing I guess that narrative for what um, what people are seeing, and it provides, I guess, the data that sort of explains why that might be that they're, in terms of their observations. But it's also 
telling people maybe what they don't see yeah. uh, as well. It and 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 you're right, Dale. It's it was kind of both those those nodes, if you will, right? Because um, on some hand, um, it's we've been able to go through and and build out some of that evidence on things that you know in HR, HR, or in operations, we air quote know to be true, right? That there is some tie between you know uh, turnover and overtime and sick rates. Mm -hmm. uh, through the modeling my team's been able to do, we can now statistically say, yes, there is a, there is a connection between those. The insight came that it wasn't always in the direction that we thought it was. Mm -hmm. So we had thought, oh, okay, so if we've got higher um, overtime, it's going to drive higher sick rates because people are being burnt out and fatigued and, and that sort of thing. What we found is there is an actually stronger correlation the other way. Right. Okay. So, so that helped with some of the insights on, okay, well, maybe we need to focus a little bit more on A rather than B. So, mm -hmm. so really, again, kind of interesting stuff when you kind of able to kind of dig into it. Right. You know, I always say with my team, we hire first for curiosity. Yes. And <laughs> whatever else afterwards. Right. So, <laughs> yeah. Cool. Um, well, I think we're going to get curious with some of that as we go through this. Um, yeah. so, um, so to either of you, I mean, what would be, I mean, I appreciate you're not necessarily experts in exactly what's happening in every organization and every province across this country, but from your, you know, work with your colleagues and, and counterparts, um, and what you do know, what would you describe as the current state of HR data in Canada. Um, and, you know, if I was to ask you what story that health human resource data is telling us, what would you say? Ooh, it's a great question. I mean, I, I would start by, by saying, um, I don't know. And, and I say that with, with some level of informative um, perspective. Um, I mean, Tony, I think you, you and I, our organizations have been part of of at least one or two groups that have yeah. come together to try to pull together um, some comprehensive um, national data um, around yeah. occupational health, and obviously right. the most recent work we did on the uh, the snapshot of Canada's healthcare workforce under Healthcare Can. And I think the reason we we found ourselves doing it was because we couldn't find the answer elsewhere. Um, so to yeah. your point, Dale, I mean there was there was a lack of information specific to in our case the, the acute care healthcare providers across Canada. And it's not that there wasn't data out there of some sort. I mean, you could go to some organizations, uh, whether it be StatsCan or uh, or KaiHi or other organizations that are, you know, I think, very sophisticated, but but by by design are providing you a bit of a rear view mirror. So the data you get would be maybe a, a year or two old, and you're trying, you know, it's it's maybe comprehensive, but it it's you're responding to something somebody did two years ago as opposed to asking a question in the moment, which is very much what we often are trying to do in our world. So mm -hmm. in both cases, it was a, a group of colleagues who got together and, uh, you know, through through efforts of their own, collected data around a specific question, shared it, and and now we're trying to you know to keep that moving. Um, so there, in some cases, you know, there isn't data out there. In other cases, yeah. there is data, but it's not, and not necessarily answering the questions you're trying to answer in the moment. So the mm -hmm. nimbleness, I think, is one of the big pieces. 
The other thing I'd say really quickly and, and let Tony jump in after this, but I would say we've also got a question, that's the right word, um, the validity uh, mm -hmm. of not only the data, but the, the questions we're asking to get at it. Because I think, as I mentioned to you, I just came off of a uh, of an anti-black racism uh, workshop uh, panel that we were holding here at the hospital. We had some really deep, important conversations about systemic bias and blind spots and biases that are built into our systems. Mm -hmm. um, and when you think of something, that, and I'll use a perfect case, race-based data, we don't know mm -hmm. what we don't know because in many cases it's not been collected. So there would be a perfect example. I mean, we just did our, you know, took our second attempt in a number of years um, and have just completed a, uh, an equity survey uh, within our organization. And even just the currency of making sure that the um, questions are right, that what you're using for self-identification, that you're getting enough of a of a uh, uh, of a participation rate, that there could be some validity in the in the uh, information you're getting, you know, those are all things that I would say. Um, the current state is we got a lot, we still have a lot of work to do. That that said, there are definitely some teams and organizations working to build um, some some good collectors of information. And so I would end by saying. I depend a lot on our EFAP provider for quarterly reports on occupational health and safety indicators. Uh, mm -hmm. We have our own internal scorecards that we've been developing. When we try to do benchmarking, there is some research out there that we can access through academic and other means, but it's it's pretty limited. Uh, and then there's just the work we're doing in collaboration with each other that I find is probably the most valuable. Okay, thanks, Steve. Yeah, yeah Tony. Just just kind of build on on that a little bit, Steve. I think what I've heard. Um, is that you know health organizations, health authorities, have been doing some really great work um, over you know both through COVID and pre-COVID and in building out you know their own organizational workforce data and information and tools, right? So we've all been a bit on a journey. We're all in different places in that journey, that sort of thing. What I've seen's been missing is that connection and network. Um, one of the one of the fields, as you as you mentioned, Dale, I grew up in was compensation, mm -hmm. and comp comp area has been connected across the country, if not the world, um, on everything. Right? It's 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 first nature for them to be reaching out in networks, and there's all sorts of networks that they can reach out to. Part of it might be the the um, newness, um, again, air quotes, of of workforce analytics and that as a as a field of of the hr profession those networks cross professionals as well as cross organizations just haven't matured yet or or even formed there i think we're starting to see more of that the work mm -hmm. that healthcare cans doing around this and the, you know trying to go through and and establish the, the a working group around some of this is going to be um, fantastic, right? In in building some of that network and in that familiarity, is where you're going to see that that collaboration, that 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 collective knowledge um, and understanding grow. Um, because you know, again, if we've got people that that get together every once in a while on the network, now they have a face to the name or or voice to the name, and it's like. Gee, I really wonder what is going out and be going on out in BC. Hey, I'll give Bob a call, right? And and I think that's going to go a long way. As you mentioned, Steve, we've done some work in in the occupational injury area, and I think that's brought that community 
closer together. I think some of the work that, that healthcare can and others are doing as well are going to really enable that conversation to really blossom out there. Yeah, no, I agree 100%. I mean, just to build a little bit on that, um, the, yeah, I would say the other piece too is that our maturity in healthcare, although it's incredible how much research and how much intelligence and how much data we have in healthcare, mm-hmm. I, I was astounded coming out of private sector where, you know, um, I would agree some of the some of the data comparators was a little tougher in some cases, but not that much. I had some private sector groups, conference board was helpful, a few others, um, and I had access to some really good research. But the second piece was the data maturity um, of our organization was way beyond what the you know I would say largely the public sector and in particular um, healthcare was. When I came in to our organization, I'll say it's 14 years ago. Um, I'm, I mean, I was used to a certain level of, of health, you know, workforce uh, reports from my old organization. And I walked in here to find out what we had. And, you know, one of the team, you know, pulled me over to a single computer, popped up, um, a, you know, our HRIS system, which was a DOS screen with, on a green screen with a flashing dot. And I, I, I had like, literally, I, I had a flashback to university. Uh, <laughs> I said, oh my God, I haven't seen one of these in years. And it, it was kind of like, okay, so this is what we have and what can we do with it? And it was it's so limited in, you know, so I felt like I moved back 10, 15 years just moving into this sector. So we've done a lot of, I think, really important work. But to your point, it's um, the network has two benefits. One, it, it starts to, you know, all, all boats will rise, rise with the tide as we work together and share. Because you're, as you said, Tony, your organization has been very sophisticated in the work you've done around this and we're all benefiting from it. The second piece is it gets us towards but I'd start to say like data and definition um, integrity, because that's the other big issue in, in data is that I know with my provincial uh, experience in the past, um, you know, we would generate our internal reports. We thought we were submitting them into a provincial um, uh, central uh, data repository. And yet my CEO would come back from a provincial meeting some days and go, why are we so bad on this stat? And I go, where did you get that data? And as it turned out, it was, you know, somebody in a wholly other department that we weren't even connected to was pulling out of SAP or whatever it was and, and presenting data to the, to the CEO and deputy minister that was wrong. And it wasn't even using the same metrics we were using. So I would be getting into these massive discussions with like, who, who's collecting this data and how can we be you know, more consistent in, what, in, in the story we're telling? Because again, we were telling within just one small province, you know, two entirely different stories and what was going on. So if you go back, Dale, to the conversations I know we've all been having at the national level, you know, how didn't we know we were heading for a healthcare crisis? Well, we kind of did, but nobody was grabbing the data and telling the story in as compelling a way as it needed to be told. And that's bad on us. Yeah, but I think if you if you take that story that you shared, right, and then you magnify that across 13 other regions, um, it becomes, you know, well... I guess the challenge that you've faced into answering the question at the outset. Yeah. So you're going to say something, Tony? Yeah, I was just just building on what 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 Steve was saying too. That that we had a, a fairly good understanding of what was going on within our organization, and that as you said, Steve, that there was a crunch coming. COVID, of course, you know, accelerated that, but we suspected that was likely in other parts, right? But yeah. we don't have that connection or that network that even, hey, I'll phone Steve or or whoever and say, hey, what's going on over there and what are you doing about it? I think we're starting to get there now, which is which is fantastic. Yeah. Um, 
even to the point now where we're progressing, and I think I suspect again, um, and this is a good conversation to have, is as we go past the data, past the information, and as organizations are 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 um, progressing into the so what are you going to do about it part, as yeah. as I am learning, we're all building strategy workforce strategies. As I've had two or three conversations with count counterparts, and Guess, guess how different some of those strategies are. So there's still a lot of that commonality out there. And if there's that commonality, then why can we not be doing that nationally to get that message out there, right? Yeah. A message that we've been trying to get out to out of our organization is we're not going to be able to recruit our way out of this shortage, right? Exactly. Because there is nobody out there, right? So we need to focus on retention, that sort of thing. I've had two conversations this week with organizations in, in BC that guess what their strategies are trying to tell folks, right? So, yeah. so if this is two or three organizations in Canada saying to ourselves, we can't recruit our way out of this, then as a collective, as we're going through and having those conversations based on the data and the evidence, isn't that a much stronger message that we're giving up? Absolutely. Well, and I think, as you said, the the work we've been doing together is um, through Healthcare Canada and the HH, uh, our advisory committee. I mean, we've got twenty, you know, twenty five, you know, VPs of HR from across the country and their teams connected, sharing those conversations, connecting to provincial, you know, conversations on HHR, and of course, it's been going on through the national channels to Health Canada and and, uh, and the premiers and uh, and prime minister. Um, which is good. Where you know this is one of the first times I can say in the in the history of my time in healthcare that I've seen that kind of conversation and people interested in the data. I mean, I'll be honest. I yeah. had, you know, we had three calls for data um, today alone to inform HHR strategy work, and that's exciting because there was a day where that phone never rang. Um, so the fact that you know uh, the center of government and other key decision makers are seeking that data to inform. Uh, decisions on recruitment retention strategies, I think, is 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 a good sign, and it just yeah. means we've got to continue to make that 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 those informed decisions even more sophisticated as we go and and test and trial some things as we're doing. Um, Absolutely, but it's, it's exciting. I, th I think we're at the cusp of what I'm hoping is going to be a really exciting time over the next few years. And and the other thing I would say quickly is that the you know the power of AI and a number of the other mm. you know, capabilities. I mean, I remember talking a few years ago to, uh, to IBM and what they were doing with Watson in this space. Fascinating. I mean, yeah. you know, COVID hit and it's that conversation hasn't extended, but I would you know, be delighted to think about what we could do at a national level in the not only the compilation, but just the trend analysis and, and future casting uh, opportunities that a, that a tool like that or others could provide us to really inform the conversations that we're trying to have, because, um, you know, this isn't a one-year plan. I mean, as we always joke, you know, David Foote, the great economist who wrote the book, Boom, Bust, and Echo years ago, you know, I always joke, I don't know if you made a million bucks, but I like to say, made a million bucks telling us all <laughs> that every year we get a year older. I mean, you know, there's enough to know this was, you know, these things are coming. So why not use that to predict what the next five to 10 years should look like Yeah, and, uh, and build? So, Sort of building on some of what you both have been talking about. So, I mean, we're talking, I guess you're, I mean, you've sort of 
described to some degree about why we need to be sharing data between organizations and jurisdictions and why that's important. Mm -hmm. Happy to elaborate on that further if you'd like. And while you know you're giving glimpses that it's starting to happen, right? What is you know why aren't we doing this more or better, and why weren't we doing it before? I mean, I'll jump in first, Tony. I mean, one of the things I would say was 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 culture. I mean, you look at the you look in any organization, you ask what are the competencies you're developing for, or how much are you investing in various areas? I mean, we could say the same about things like lean improvement. You know, in healthcare, I don't. You know, it was it took a long time for healthcare to catch up to the manufacturing sectors and others, and it was really only the most leading edge ones that were were leaning into that. No pun intended. Um, capability to really use data and process improvement methodologies to really tear asunder the assumptions of how we design the healthcare system versus the way it really needs to be done, and having patient and family input to those conversations and. Um, you know, if anyone's been through, you know, if you guys have been through lean events, you know what it looks like. You you put the truth map up on the wall with everyone's input to say, how does it really work today? You all step back and go, that's insane. And then you get to work on, well, how are we going to streamline that? And, and, you know, with with the focus being on improving access, improving flow and improving outcomes. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's the same thing in HR. I mean, you know, as, as, a, as a profession over, you know, the hundred years we've been around, you know, it's about the profession maturing and and building, you know, that quant and that curiosity and statistical and, you know, analytical capabilities in it, as opposed to it being, um, you know, focused on some of the things that's historically been focused on. This is a, mm-hmm. you know, I wouldn't, it should, I, I, I wouldn't like to say it's a newer capability, but it's an emerging, it's still an emerging capability in, in even mm-hmm. uh, our organizations and our HR. Um, teams. Um, the other piece is the technology. Um, I mean, public sector, I could say, compared to, say, some private sector organizations, um, it's taken longer to invest in the tools. So, you know, when I saw that DOS screen, um, when I first walked in the door <laughs> to where we are today, um, you know, we ask ourselves, where are we investing in healthcare today? And it's often been, not to say this is you know, it was the wrong place, but it was often focused on the bedside. Uh, and direct patient care, clinical care. I remember my team, when we asked for something as simple as the ability to have an online recruitment tool, you know, the team would say, it never makes it into the capital budget. It's always trumped by 500 other things ahead of it. And, mm-hmm. you know, it took us to, you know, it took a few different tacks to get it on the plate um, and take a different attack on trying to, you know, get some of those investments in HR systems because they always fell to the bottom of the list. You know, so I think those are, you know, some of the challenges we've had over the years but I think we're in a prime time now where we can really ramp it up because there's never been a time where HR and HHR has been on the uh, agenda in the way it is today. So don't waste a good crisis. Mm-hmm. Tony, I mean, what have you seen? Yeah, fair, fairly similar, um, fairly similar. Um, I've, I've had a, a saying with my team for a long time, I don't care which horse pulls our cart. Um, so, so in many ways, when we've seen some of these opportunities to kind of build, you know, uh, the, the capacity and the capability around, um, the workforce, uh, reporting and the workforce analytics, um, many of those were working with finance, 
Um, as you said, finance often gets a little bit more of the spotlight, but if they're going to move the agenda, like our, our business intelligence system that we put in 10 years ago, primarily was built so that uh, frontline leaders would ha have access into their budgets and, and, and expenses and all those sorts of things. And it was like, oh, they have an HR module. Is anybody interested? So, you know, great. So we'll, we'll build on that. Um, we've got a, a I suspect, like like all healthcare organizations, a very broad and deep um, clinical analytics team mm -hmm. and group that have access into all sorts of neat toys, right? So again, that horse can pull our cart forward as we um, started to build things out on Tableau and and other tools and and other statistical tools for our for uh, for that. So so again, we've been very um, a very, I, if I'm being kind and, and, and trying to make us look good, it's been very strategic or very opportunistic on, on grabbing that horse that can kind of go through and move us forward. I think, um, as you said, Steve, what we're seeing right now in, in, in um, Canadian or, or, or global um, healthcare workforce issues that are going on, that is a horse, again, that can pull our cart forward and by doing that, we provide not just our own organizations and their leaders with better foundations and direction for decisions they need to make around that, but for um, uh, Canadians' political uh, side of things and 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 um, Canada as a whole, right? That we can make better decisions because we've got more information. Yeah, absolutely. No, I agree. I mean, you know, I think for for those team members we've worked with, and as you say, you know, finance and our, our improvement consultants and the folks who had Tableau before we got it, they became our best friends and we're hanging Absolutely. out with them. We're, we're, get, we're getting <laughs> trained up on it. But, you know, even when we had to do some manual stuff, I mean, I know one of the things that helped us over the years was just developing our own tools and oh. just having them on hand and, and regularly quarterly reporting them and graphing them so that when a question did come up, and I would, you know, say to anybody who's maybe thinking of getting into this or, or just starting to get into it, you know, build some of those customized reports for yourself, so you have them at your at your you know in your corner pocket. I always call them my my cheat sheets. Um, so when somebody calls me, I mean, if you guys saw my wall now, it's probably like yours, uh, covered with with graphs and charts and scorecards. And you know, sometimes when somebody says, "Well, geez, you know, I, I feel like we've gone down in this particular case, or I feel like we have." too many vacancies or whatever, I can literally cast my eyes to the left and say, well, actually, we're exactly this many, we're up by this many people in this area. And, and they'll go, how do you know that? So, well, I got the cheat sheet beside me. And suddenly you can bring data that you have at your fingertips to those conversations versus, you know, you could be in a room where people are debating. And if you don't have any data, the opinion is what rules, whether it's right or wrong. People will often, if we can't get the data quickly, we'll just do a gut check, say, well, it feels like this, so let's make this decision. Uh, and it's a horrendous place to find yourself in as an HR professional. So, mm -hmm. you know, I, I found over the years, just even having those tools available and being able to point to them, um, you know, helps build credibility and also helps build curiosity, as you said, Tony. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's literally say, let's not jump to the answer. Let's ask the question first and then figure out if we can ask, answer the question. Then where do we go with it from there? And and those so what's and why's and continue to dig into it and, and try to understand the underlying uh, issues uh, becomes the fun part. Yeah, absolutely. 
so bringing that back again to sort of the, the national challenges that we're facing. And so, I mean, is it, is it a, a data crisis that we're in as well? And is it a, is it a, a, um, a crisis of, you know, parochialism in some respects of provincialism of everybody needing to do their own thing, um, measuring it? Cause you, I mean, you, you're both describing that your organizations and regions are trying to do this, but not necessarily doing it together. Um, and so, you know, in my sort of non-expert sort of mind, I sort of see the, you know, health global, this global, because it is a global workforce, but certainly our national workforce is being a bit like, you know, a, a, a balloon, right? And that provinces are squeezing on it from one side, you know, constricting it, and it's causing inflation on another side, and then back and forth, right? So the, the resources are limited, and they're moving back and forth, but not in any sort of um, collaborative way, or, uh, right, they're just everybody's seizing what they need, and it's causing constriction or challenges in another part of the, the country or regions. So I'm assuming that the use of that data at a national level would help. Um, but I mean, maybe get your thoughts on that. And, and is that, I mean, is that, is that the issue that we're working with here or? Yeah, I mean, part of it's shining light on, on what's really happening. And I think that's, you can start with it. I mean, you're not going to be able to answer all the questions with data at the first, at the first cut. But to your point, I mean, I think, Tony, you mentioned earlier the idea about, you know, just starting with the question of how many people do we actually have in a particular workforce today? Yeah. And there are some good reports available. There's some, there's some spots where there's some data, data holes, but you can start with that question. But, you know, that the answer to that question in itself is just a fact. There mm -hmm. are, you know, 32,000 of these types of professionals in Canada. The next logical question is how many do we need? Yes. And so, you know, Dale, I think to your question about, you know, it's both a question of do we have the data we need and is it available nationally and is it comparable nationally to a point where you could say, yeah, we're, we're talking apples to apples when we look at this data. But the, the more important question that often gets overlooked is, so where do you want it to be? And, mm -hmm. and that's the harder conversation. I mean, as you say, I mean, the provinces by design have to make decisions on how they want to uh, deliver healthcare, what model they want to use, how they do it. However, um, there really isn't that big a difference, you know, province to province. I mean, we're, you know, as Canadians, we're a, you know, a somewhat homogeneous um, population. I, I say that meaning as human beings, the, you know, we have the same organs, the same bones, the same model, we have the same medical education system, et cetera. Um, there's lots of other differences within there, including as we talked earlier about um, a variety of different communities, race-based differences, et cetera, mm -hmm. cultural differences. So there, I, I wouldn't want to say that it's one design fits all, but on the basis of understanding how you're going to design your healthcare system, um, I think most people would say today, we're in the crisis we're in right now is, uh, you know, like you said, Tony, we're not going to recruit our way out of it. You know, whatever number you're looking at, I think the latest I saw WHO predict was a 10 million uh, healthcare worker shortage by 2030. Um, so we're not going to recruit our way out of it. We're going to try to create as many new professionals as we can. But the other piece is, are we just trying to, you know, 
do the same thing we've always been doing with the same professionals doing the exact same roles, or are we trying to model something different that is a better model for the future? And that's the piece of the conversation I'm feeling right now that there's a bit of a, you know, a gap. Um, you're kind of looking at this cloud, but there's no clarity. Uh, and it's because I think all the provinces are still struggling. I think there's some brilliant conversations going on. I think there's some really neat and innovative models emerging with, you know, use of other healthcare practitioners like pharmacists and nurse practitioners, nurse prescribing, all of those things. Um, but we're still in the stormy phase of that. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, for the people in HR whose job it is to, you know, try to forecast best they can so that we're ensuring that we're educating the right people with the right background, that we're recruiting enough of them and that we're supporting them and in getting into the right places and, and support their future career development. Um, we need a little bit of that roadmap mm -hmm. to help us get there. So the one piece of it is, yeah, we definitely can do a lot more work on getting good, consistent data to work from. And then the other piece of the puzzle is we have to know what we're working towards to uh, to inform good decisions. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Steve, when you, when you kind of put it that way, it is kind of into the foundationals, foundationals of uh, good workforce planning, right? Um, to boil down workforce planning into its very base, base and simplest manner. You need to know how many you have or will have and how many do you need and and then you can talk about fixing addressing the gap right the one thing i think you've been talking about dale in your your question was do we have a good understanding of what do we have or what will we have right mm -hmm. um and i we've talked a little bit about as you said individual organization to organization i think we've we've got either a, a good idea or a really good idea of, of what that base is or or will be um and that that serves the organization as well but as we as we take this conversation outside of ourselves and as healthcare can has been trying to go through and, and take this conversation outside of the individuals you then do need to have that good good understanding it doesn't have to be perfect it doesn't have to be all that but at least that good understanding of that current state or what that projection is going to be and then as steve said have that other part of the conversation which is what do we need and then we can get in and talk about um um how how can we close that gap yeah so i mean i think that sort of leads to some other questions for me as well and that you know one is that I know in conversations I've had with you over the years, Steve, you've been one word that you use very often is the word benchmark. Mm. Um, and, right. But I think the other one, I think, as you've both been alluding to, is this is the issue about, you know, forecasting. Mm -hmm. So um, so maybe just building on what you've just been talking in terms of, I guess, what our current data sets are, what are potential uses of it and, and the questions about design. Where did those two words, I guess, come in and, and how do you sort of see them here? So um, maybe I'll throw it back to, well, let me start with you, Tony, maybe, and get your perspective on that. Thanks for listening to part one of this two-part episode on Canada's health workforce data. Please listen to the next episode also released as I continue my conversation with Tony and Steve.